out there. Welcome back to another edition of Talking Tigs. I'm Scott Gerard. Uh, with me tonight uh, in separate cities, uh, I think, for the first time in a while, Tommy Johnson and Daniel Zollinger. We, we're kind of spread out, kind of cover all this LSU news from, from different regions for you folks. Uh, we, we got a lot to cover, too. Uh, I mean, we had early signing day which I, I thought the Tigers came out extremely well. Uh, you know, you guys can give me your opinion, obviously, too. Uh, then we also had some transfer news coming and going. Uh, and then uh, coaching changes. Uh, we, we lost some more, but uh, maybe, maybe Brian Kelly has his eyes on some in the horizon. We'll, we'll talk about that as well. And uh, wouldn't you know it, another week, another couple wins for LSU basketball, uh, still undefeated and uh, looking good. I mean, they're not what we're used to, but we can talk about that as well. But before we do, guys, uh, it's you know it's getting down to the end of the year. Hopefully, we're uh, getting all our ducks in a row for 2022. Got your Christmas stuff. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if you guys are do it early or do it late. I'm starting to transition to earlier, but I'm I'm really a last minute kind of guy. <laughs> um, but uh, it's good to be on with you, chopping up LSU for. Uh, you know, the last one before Christmas, uh, I, I don't know. I think, uh, I think LSU kind of put some, some things underneath the tree for Tigers fans before Christmas, some, some good stuff. It's not lumps of coal. Uh, but anyway, how, how are you guys doing? Yeah, doing good. It's good to be here talking with you again. And, um, I, I mean, I agree. I think we'll get into it, but there's some, there's definitely some, uh, some things to be unwrapped this year that I think will be, uh, be good tidings for our tar- Tiger fans, but, uh there's also a few lumps of coal in there as well that's just <laughs> yeah. how it goes these times yeah yeah you gotta take the hits with the misses but i'm, I'm glad to be with y'all uh, last pod before christmas i guess second to last one of 2021 and yeah we're, we're putting a bow on it for this year but yeah we got the, the early signing date to, to unpack and then uh hoops news and, and all that so uh, let's get to it Exactly. Let's get to it. And uh, speaking of putting a bow on it, I don't know. I, I feel like with the circumstances we've had this year, along especially, you know, most undeniably a, a coaching change within the last month. Um, well, I mean, we knew who we knew Ed was gone. I, I should we, we, we knew the coaching chain was going to happen. We just didn't know who the coach was going to be. But I think in that short amount of time, Brian Kelly was able to sustain you know, maybe sustain, if not expand his class, uh, you know, getting some people we probably didn't even know we were going to get, you know, some, some guys that were uh, trying to leave their schools to come here. Uh, But I mean, you know, as we normally do, we usually toss it to Daniel, but I don't know. I just want to get Tommy's quick reaction. Again, I I thought it was good. We we didn't get everyone we thought you never do really. But I I think uh, from what we got so far for the circumstances, lot to build on. I mean, it's, it is early signing day. You know, they have till February to like the ultimate signing day. But for now, I think LSU is in a good spot. Yeah, I mean, I feel like you talk about if you talk about a letter grade, I give us like a solid B, maybe B minus at the worst. But I, I'd say it's a B. I mean, uh, with the news of uh, is it Kendrick Law? I know it's Law. Yeah. I think it's Kendrick. Yeah. Um, you know, him flipping or or committing to Alabama. I think that was kind of our main. Um, last ditch effort for an athlete towards the end uh of the of the early signing you know early signing block um also with Shaz Preston going to Bama and then Aaron Anderson also going to Bama it's kind of you're kind of like man if you're LSU and you can't get at least one of these top wide receivers in the class of uh, in Louisiana 
Um, that's kind of a disappointment, but it's a transition year. Brian Kelly has been on the job for like 17 days at this point or, you know, give or, give or take. So I think that we've gotten, I think that just like we talked about on this podcast, you know, the previous one leading up to early signing day, the, the, uh, the main objective is to get everyone who we expected to get have no surprises. I don't think we had any real surprises. Um, we got the cornerstone pieces of this class that we wanted. And there are a few people left in this class who could have signed, could have, um, you know, could have gone to uh, rival schools and they might not have signed with LSU. They might not have committed, but they're still on the, on the table. And I think that gives us the more time we have, the more time we can build that case as to why LSU is, is trending in the right direction. I think we're in play with a lot of these, uh, a lot of these recruits left over. Yeah. Maybe that's why they did it. Daniel. Yeah. I agree a lot with what you said, Tommy, the, the biggest one that stings is losing Shaz Preston, like the, the four-star wide receiver to Alabama as the, the tide swept the top three wide receivers from the state of Louisiana in uh, Preston, Kendrick Law, and then Aaron Anderson, like you mentioned. So I wouldn't be entirely surprised if one of them, maybe after next year, transfers, maybe exactly. coming back to LSU uh, if they don't see the field immediately. Almost like Major Burns. Right. And then uh, kind of the one we were questioning as well was Quincy Wiggins on the defensive line last week. He was uncommitted to LSU, but kind of strongly leaning, and we did sign him. So we got, uh, I think, 13 signees plus one transfer. So still... 11 spots open, which is plenty. Normally you'd want to have that number, I would say a little bit higher at this point in the, in the year. Um, but it does give us some wiggle room to make moves later on some players that might not have been kind of in our immediate sphere of influence. So try and look to see Brian Kelly extend his reach into the, the North and the Northeast going into February for actual signing day. And we'll, we'll round out that class. But I think overall, mostly to be expected, like you said, um, we got the five stars, Will Campbell and Walker Howard, like we wanted uh, and the rest of the of the main players. So overall, uh, pretty decent and uh, not too insanely eventful. But I'll say this: that, well, yeah, I mean, it wasn't insanely eventful, but it was also it wasn't like you know just blow after blow to the stomach, you know. From it's like we lost the top receivers, which, by the way, you have to think like maybe none of these guys are talking to each other. But if you're Kendrick Claw, you're thinking, all right, well, there's already two top wide receivers out of state going to Alabama. Yeah, me too. Oh, you know what? I, I'm, I'll probably start. I'll probably start. Like, who's? They have to know that someone's going to be right in the bench for one, if not two years. We'll see. I, I don't know what Alabama's wide receiver room is like, but uh, that many guys going, I, I don't know. Um, but for the ones we did lose, it's like the ones we, we got what we needed. You know, it's like we, we lost some of the flashy stuff, but look at the, the offensive linemen we were able to keep and get. Uh, including Miles Frazier, the transfer out of FIU, which, you know, he could have stayed into Florida. A lot of people thought he might have gone to, to Florida State, but uh, which is a whole other story, by the way. I, I want to say poor Florida State, but I, I really don't <laughs> care. But, man, did they <laughs> did they lose out on a lot, um, including the number one recruit. But uh, as far as LSU, man, we got to we, – we're building up our line, right? That was what was killing us, you, you would say, the last two years was offensive line play or just – you know, stability there in the position guys were getting hurt and constantly. And uh, I don't know. I feel like we shored up that part of it. We did get some, some good wide receivers um, and we got the number one QB in the country. So those kind of go hand in hand. And, you know, we, we, we got some more defensive players, you know, we got, we signed some four-star cornerbacks. So I, I feel really good about it. And this was, you know, 
Brian Kelly has a few more weeks. And tell me what you were saying about some of the ones that held off, which we kind of thought we were going to announce. They held off for more time. I don't know. I, I'd like to believe that part of that was to maybe give themselves more time with LSU to see what it's about. You know, I think that only benefits us. And yeah. I think you'll see a lot, especially from the offensive, well, I guess offensive and defense side of the ball. Um, people want to know who the coordinator is going to be. They want to kind of kick the tires and make sure that we don't just, you know, go out there and hire a, a, a absolute scrub. I don't think we're going to like the track record is, uh, is, uh, is not in that, in that vein for uh, Brian Kelly. But once we, once we hire these coordinators, I, I, I totally see a guy like Jacoby Matthews going ahead and signing with LSU. Yeah. Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, and cause he, he was one of the ones that held off. He, he did not. And, uh, I don't know. I was kind of thinking he was going to flip to somebody else, but he didn't. Uh, yeah. Um, I mean, I think that he could have very easily, I mean, Jacoby Matthews is the number one safety in the state of Louisiana could have very easily signed with A&M signed with, uh, you know, Alabama signed with Florida signed with whoever, um, you think about, you think about a, a DB and, uh, who's been, who's was a, he's a top target for Louisiana, with Corey Raymond moving to Florida and Billy Napier moving to Florida, you know, they've seen him, you know, they're hot on him. I could totally see a guy like that saying, you know what? I think I want to go to Florida because they might be trending better than I I just don't know about this. Brian Kelly. I just don't know about LSU right now. And he does, he hasn't like, I I think that only benefits us. We, the more, the more uh, opportunity we have to get in front of these players and make our pitch. I, I think, you know, time will tell, but, but we're definitely still in it. Yeah. And uh, just the fact that, I mean, we all knew we were going to get Will Campbell, you know, five-star out of Monroe. And, uh, but I think Emory Jones, we kind of also knew, you know, there wasn't, I don't think there was too much doubt there. Right. It's like maybe, I, I don't know. I don't know if he was as solid as Will Campbell. I, I, I feel he's comfortable saying that, but uh, in addition to that, you know, they, they also got, uh, you know, an LSU legacy recruit, uh, Bo Bordelon, and uh, he's a three-star out of New Orleans, and uh, also Fitzgerald West out of Lafayette. Man, they've been pulling a lot out of Lafayette, and I didn't realize that Lafayette Christian Academy, uh, you know, it's Trev Falk. He was a former LSU player, so they've pulled a lot of players out of that, and Lafayette in particular, just in the last couple years. So that's, that's where, you know, that's where Sage Ryan came from. And so it's all a Falk, you know, it's kind of like a, a Falk school because you got Sage Ryan and Trev Falk, and then both of them are related to Kevin Falk. So, yeah, no, exactly. Uh, so Lafayette's a hotbed for us right now, uh, which is awesome. But in addition to that, um, you know, we got a couple cornerbacks that we, you know, could definitely use uh, LaTerrence Welsh um, out of, I guess again, Lafayette. <laughs> and uh, actually, I was more. Uh, excited about Taiji Taiji Hill Taiji I guess it's Taiji I don't know uh and I, I told you there earlier this week Tommy uh it's a wide receiver out of uh Mandeville Landon Ibieta mm-hmm. who uh who decommitted and is now coming to LSU I know he was only a three-star but I just watched some of the film on the guy and he I don't know he looks like a playmaker uh you know it's high school compared to SEC football it's totally different but I I feel like just uh, there's talent there you know, some speed too, but I don't know. Anything else stick out to you guys, you know, besides the kicker from uh, Michigan that we got. 
Nathan Dilbert. That's like the most boring. Like he just sounds like he's on the math team, right? Nathan Dilbert. <laughs> yeah, I think the only things that really stand out is we didn't sign any running backs in this class. Javante yeah. uh, Citizen was was the candidate, as well as um, uh, I'm blanking uh, Trevor Etienne. Uh, and then so there's a still like kind of two prime opportunities from the state of Louisiana who we'd like to get at least one of, especially considering we, we might be pretty thin at that position. Um, I mean, we've got plenty of good running backs with uh, Davis Price plus Corey Kiner and uh, and Armani Gibbon, but we didn't necessarily have one like bell cow back. So we no. could theoretically, you could theoretically have John Emery. Who knows if he'll ever pass yeah. class. And uh, Trey right. Bradford, he transferred back in too, right? Allegedly, I've never seen him on the field. Yeah, but, right. but it's weird. But it's weird to see an LSU class that doesn't have a running back on it, as well as there was only I think one linebacker, um, which has been kind of a question mark at some positions uh, this past year. So uh, we'll look to see them target that as well. And then the only thing that's kind of bad is if we don't end up getting near that kind of twenty-five limit because schools like Bama, Georgia, A and M all had very good signing days. I mean, that's to be expected. But some of them were signing even like 26, 27 guys uh, through kind of like the the transfer exemptions. So we're if we're getting half of their class, and it's going to be hard to compete. Um, and maybe we're we're scrounging the bottom of the barrel for the the last recruits at the end of the the cycle. But hopefully we can shore that up and then and even the playing field a little bit. So I have some confidence there. Yeah, I mean, I also think that um, I think that one there are a lot of I think it's diff- going to be difficult for us. I wouldn't expect a top five class this, this, you know, or maybe even a top 10 class this year, just because there's so much transition, so much up in the air. But I think also there's definitely some strategy in, uh, you know, I think Brian Kelly wants to put together a program for next year that, that can win at this moment. And we all know f- true freshmen, you, you can't build an entire sec team based on true freshmen. Um, hmm. So we're going to have 32 spots because of the because of Dana, like what Dana mentioned, the transfer exemptions. So, um, did we sign? We signed twelve. Was it eleven? I was 13, thirteen uh, signees plus one transfer, so fourteen total. So we still have uh, what? We still have six, uh, 17, 18. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if maybe half of those come from the transfer portal, because he, you know, with with the with the new with some of the transfers that we've had, like we're like we'll inevitably get to with Max Johnson and Eli Ricks, and then some of the people coming back, like a Miles Brennan. Um, I think that we I think that they're going to want to add some more um, experience to this roster, and not just build it off of thirty two freshmen who probably will not be prepared to play next year or even the year after that. Yeah. Um, it's funny. It's like, do you count miles Brennan? Well, he didn't transfer out technically. So he's still, he just took his name out of the portal. Basically. He's like, all right, LSU, I'm gonna give you one more try. Uh, but he, he said, uh, that Brian Kelly called him on Monday and they had a good conversation, obviously. And he said, that's kind of what persuaded him to stay. So I don't know what Kelly told him. I guess he said, look, man, uh, you know, he, you you don't I don't see why you need to leave like you can run this program and trust me you're gonna have me you know you're not gonna have some defensive coach just kind of holding back the reins plus you know it's like he I feel bad for him because the last two years like he was gonna start the season as the uh you know as the QB1 and he just you know injuries uh so I just feel bad for Miles like he's never had a whole season to himself to like show what he's got it's like I, I know he's got like is that Mettenberger type season 2015 in him? 
uh, like he, his numbers may not be the best for himself personally, like Joe Burrow type numbers, but like the team spreading it around as long as we can protect him for, for crying out loud. Uh, I feel like he has that in him and with, I, I trust him a lot better to have that type of season with Brian Kelly. And I don't know, we'll see who he brings in as one of his coordinators, but uh, yeah, I, I, I like that. I will say about uh, as far as signees, Texas A&M is already busting at the seams. I think they're right at 26 right now. And they got one of ours. You know, they got Max Johnson. We kind of knew that was going to happen, but I still don't see – I don't know if he's expected to play or if he just wanted to be in college with his brother and just be on a team. That's so weird to me. Yeah, you know, yeah. I totally agree, Scott. Like, when you look at – you've got Mac, now Max Johnson on the A&M roster along with Haynes King and then the the five-star who they signed. What's his name? Um I forget. I think it starts with a C, but regardless. Hmm? No, I'll say, I don't know. I know they lost Calzada, but uh, they got a Connor, Connor Weidman. Uh, Connor Weidman. Yeah. Yeah. So like, it, it seems like why it doesn't make any sense to me. It's like, why is why would Max leave to go to an, from one, I guess you could say crowded quarterback room to an even more crowded quarterback room. I don't know if Jimbo said, Hey, look, man, this is your team if you want it or, or something like that. But it really, I would have expected him to go to like when the rumors were going around that he was going to go to like um, Florida state or, or um, I think for a while before Rattler had committed to South Carolina, some people were saying South Carolina, that made a lot more sense to me than, than A&M, but we'll see. I, I kind of feel like he might be holding the clipboard at A&M. Yeah. What about, what about other big snake, Eli Ricks, Bama? Yeah, I know. Uh, I don't know. I heard a lot of talk about that and how supposedly that all came down to, him having a better opportunity for an NIL deal or, yeah. or something. I, I, I can see that, but I didn't realize that Alabama was doing it like that. I hadn't really heard anything big. I mean, the first I heard was, you know, a gymnast out of LSU had the biggest deal as soon as it came out, you know? And it's like, okay, uh, well, why, why is LSU so far behind in that case? If it's, if it's football, Stingley, I know he had a deal, but uh, was or like his LSU he had a bunch of present, was he, are they supposed to present this to the players? Is that why he's leaving? Well, you're not su- you're not supposed. That's the thing. It's like so. Then what's he leaving for? He could get his own NIL deal, right? I I don't. I mean, I think that one. We we talked about this last year, Eli Ricks. Um, I mean, what like March of last year, Eli Ricks was pretty much destined to go to to transfer to Ohio State he's kind of had his eye on, on other schools almost since, since his recruiting time. I remember when he never decommitted, but there was a lot of rumors like, Oh, he's silently decommitted. Like he's going to turn heads at, at signing day. He's going to go to Ohio state or he's going to go somewhere else. Um, I think, it, yeah, I think you're right, Scott. I think it's just money. And I think he wants to win. And I, I, I understand the winning part. Um, the money part. I, I wish we could make more things happen. Theoretically to answer your question, they're not supposed to like, the school is not supposed to say like, here you are, here's your deal. Uh, you know, this is uh, Smith tractor and co. And they want you to, they want you to ride a tractor at a commercial and they're going to pay you a million dollars. But it seems like that's what Alabama is doing, or at least somehow help They're They're putting people in contact with NIL people more than, than, uh, than is, I guess, condoned by the NCAA, but also I don't really think it matters. I don't think anybody's going to, it's not like they're going to get sanctions for it or anything. So it's really unfortunate, um, but I guess this is this is this is what uh, this is what so many people wanted with NIL. Yeah, I think another 
I was going to say, I think another interesting thing about the Eli Rick situation is we talked about Max Johnson having a tough time seeing the field at A&M. And I think Eli Ricks will play, but he's not stepping into a, an easy situation at Bama as far as like cornerbacks. I mean, they got Kool-Aid McKinstry, Josh Joe, Malachi Moore. All these guys are probably going to be first or second round picks in the NFL. Obviously, Eli Ricks super talented and he showed that at LSU. But I wouldn't say he was blowing the doors off of people every single game. And like, um, d- what, what did Saban say? Like, does he guarantee him a starting spot right off the bat? I don't know. But what if he doesn't like get his, his dream and he's the number one corner for Bama? Uh, will, will he switch again? I, I'm not sure about that, but I think it's not maybe, I mean, I don't know into this guy's mind, but maybe not so easy as he's looking, looking it to be. I, right. I don't know. I, I, all, you know, all criticism of him leaving aside, I think Eli Ricks is, I don't, I think he was better than, better than Stingley in a lot of ways. The seasons he was, he was, you know, the seasons they played opposite each other. Um, I think he's a dynamic player. I think he'll, he'll start for Bama probably aside, uh, you know, on the other side of Kool-Aid McKinstry. Um, doesn't, you know, like Malachi Moore, like they have him play as more of a safety, like but the way that they're playing a lot, like they have a lot of, they'll, they'll have a guy playing a nickel and they'll have a, a couple safeties. So, I, I think that Eli will definitely get playing time. Um, I don't I mean, know. I see was... the appeal. I see the appeal like Trayvon Diggs and Patrick Sertan and who knows how many more corners have been first round picks out of Bama. Like that's an easy pipeline to a big paycheck in the NFL. Oh, and he, he probably wants a ring. I mean, that's what it, that's what it really is. I would think like yeah. he's See, that's the thing is like, and, and this is, this is, I mean, this is a good, a good kind of juxtaposition because it's proven like, the number one quarterback in the country, number one recruit in the country, chose to go to Jackson State. Like, though Eli Ricks, if he stayed at LSU or he moved to Alabama, it's not like scouts were going to be like, oh, who's Eli Ricks? I've never seen him. He just played at little old LSU. Like, it's, I don't think this is about NFL exposure or chances in the draft. I think it's that he wanted to win. I don't. I think that he must have not liked what the culture at LSU had, be, had come to. I think this kind of shows what – um, the last couple of years have have turned the program into. It's almost like a mass exodus. You got people opting out. Uh, you could say quitting, you could, or just having a bad rash of injuries, whatever. But there's a mass exodus from this team, and that's not. I don't think that's just because they they fired Orgeron and got a new coach. I mean you would think there'd be enough people who'd be like, Oh, Brian Kelly, like the guy who's won multiple, he's won tons of games at Notre Dame and gone to the uh, playoff multiple times. Yeah. I'll stick around for that. So I think there's some, there's some toxicity that needs to be addressed in that locker room and and you need to rebuild that culture. Yeah, they do. And I, that's what I was going to ask you guys is we, you know, we've been losing people the last two years basically. And we lost some, you know, it happens when every coaching change, you know, you see, kids that wanted to come here not want to come here because there was a coaching change and to go back to Rick's. Yeah. I, I think that's why he came here from California. Cause a lot of people thought he'd, he'd just go to USC really. Uh, and I think the same with Eric Gilbert, you know, he was the number one uh, tight end at the, at the time he could have easily gone to Georgia and who knows uh, probably, well, I mean, they're, they're still playing for a title basically, but uh, he, he chose to come here. And I think, you know, both of those guys, did that because of what we did in 2019. Yeah. You know, they saw that as a possibility. And then when they got here and that wasn't the possibility, it wasn't even close. Uh, you know, they thought, well, Eric Gilbert left and he hasn't really played it down a football since. 
You know, he got to Georgia and he just, you know, just personal issues. Uh, so I, even if he had stayed at LSU, you know, we still might have not seen him on the field uh, just because of these, whatever these personal issues are. Uh, you know, hope he gets it worked out. But, you know, Eli Ricks, yeah, it's obviously he, he came here expecting to win. Uh, I would say, yeah, it could be money, but I mean, I don't know. I think it is more of like a, you know, just playing for a winning team, but, you know, being coached by, by Saban. I don't know. I guess in his mind, he's like, I, I want that before I go to the NFL. But obviously his eyes are on the NFL. So, so be it. We also lost to Cotus Crawford. Uh, he went to Nebraska, followed uh, Mickey Joseph. And, uh, it's you know, out of the two, Lincoln is the coldest. Uh, I gotta say, I just had to say that. Sorry, uh, but uh, I, I say, do you think though, now that Brian Kelly's here and he's assembling his staff, that hopefully we're not gonna have to worry about this anymore because there's gonna be a new culture. And Brian Kelly said something, uh, and it, it, it stuck out to me because I heard it in multiple occasions. You know, he's making different speeches all week, but he said, you know, this is different from Miles. Uh, Les Miles saying, you know, you, you come play for here, you know, we'll put you in the NFL. It's basically like, come here, give me three years, you'll be a star, you know? Yeah. Uh, that that whole, he was selling the NFL through LSU. And uh, I don't know, I think Brian Kelly, it might be a little bit of a culture change because he's saying, I'm looking for guys that, you know, want to be here and that want to get an edu- in and are interested in an education. That's what he said. Interested in an education. I'm guessing, you know, it kind of comes from all of his years at Notre Dame, you know, cause he had to recruit those guys. Uh, he didn't have a choice. They, had yeah, they don't, they don't give you a choice in Notre Dame, whether or not yeah. you're interested in education. So, but I, I don't know. I, I kind of like that from the culture. Uh, I mean, I, I know he came to LSU, so he wouldn't be bound by that, but it, it obviously it's still with him that he wants, you know, to recruit guys that are interested in an education. I don't know. I feel like you could dissect that, although I'm not sure how. I don't I don't really I don't know. I just want to get you guys thoughts on, you know, what he said. But also, do you think the bleeding will stop after this recruiting cycle? Short answer. Yes, I think it all with when the great the great coaches, it always it always is the worst when they first come. And especially with the way um, with the way that the early signing period is now where like, like we've said, Brian Kelly only had a couple weeks to really put everything together before pen hit paper for a lot of these kids. Um, I think that by next year we'll have the ship righted. Uh, and again, we're not, we're not really in a bad spot, but to me and Dana, I'd be interested to see what you think. To me, I think that that is, uh, I think that the problem that we saw with Orgeron and the way he built this program it was very kind of instant gratification, uh, f- high flash, and try to win win now, but like not like win now, like, oh, we need to get the best players right now at any cost, but more of like, I just need to do whatever the hot thing is. It's like why you always talk about the Joe Brady offense. Everybody wanted to, to, to recreate 2019. That's not a process mentality that you see with all the great coaches where it's like, we're going to do everything the right way every time. And eventually we'll get to the point where we want to be at. Um, you, you know, it, that's where you get a guy like Jake Peets or a guy like Bo Pelini, where you just like, it's more of like, I want to take the quick way. What's the best. Give me the best coach. I just want the best coach. Give me uh, okay. Who's the co who's the, who's Brady say, okay, take, take Pete's. I think that when, when uh, Brian Kelly says with a quote that you kind of went after, um, I think what he's saying is I want guys who want to play for LSU. 
I want people who want to be here for the sake of the institution and because they want to be LSU Tigers, not a guy like, let's just say it, Eli Ricks, who wanted to be at LSU when, when Burrow was winning the Heisman and when uh, every, every first round pick in the draft was a, was a Tiger and all this kind of stuff. But then when times get tough because you lose the greatest college football team of all time, <laughs> he's like, you know what, I'm going to go to Bama. I'm going to go to the other, the other blue blood. I think that yeah. I think that that's kind of what he wants to avoid, and that's how he's going to build a program. Yeah, I agree with a lot of what you're saying. I wouldn't be surprised if the pain continues for maybe two years, um, just because like starting now he's got one calendar year for the 2023 class, which is a good thing. It's still wide open at this point. Not a lot of people have committed, um, but people are going to want to see that on-field product next year. And unfortunately, by then it might be a little bit too late for that class. Because, yeah, people can commit at the last second. <clears throat> but if the 2022 season comes around and it's more of the same, then maybe recruits are still a little bit hesitant. So it might take kind of two cycles to get the wave fully in effect. And that could be hard for a lot of LSU fans because you have to practice patience with the, the situation. We've already seen two years of mediocrity the past two years. And then to, to sit through another one in the 2022 season and maybe beyond is going to be tough, even if it is a different coach. But I think that, yes, uh, I agree with what Tommy says. Next year will be better for sure, and then we should be rocking uh, in the year afterwards. Um, but I wouldn't be 100% surprised if it takes a little bit longer. But I think Brian Kelly is a good guy for that consistent performance. We saw it through nearly a decade at uh, Notre Dame and then Cincinnati prior to that. So if anyone can do it, he should have the capability, and hopefully he puts the tools around him and gets the backing from Woodward and the patience necessary from the donors and the boosters to, to help him along his path. Yeah. Well, I'll say this, uh, a, I, know, I think the spring game is going to be very interesting, but he is also, we're going to, we, you know, as, as fans, as guys that follow the, you know, the, the team and the, and the institution, we're going to have this fall. And that's why I think I'll split the difference. I agree with Tommy. I think hopefully the initial bleeding is done but you know i don't know if i, I can go as far as you daniel and say two or three years but i'd say we'll see how it is after this fall if this mm-hmm. fall is way better or it's like back to where we were like i don't expect it in, in, in two eight games nine games yeah if we win nine if we go nine and three i'll be like okay okay maybe, maybe these recruits are gonna go all right all right bk i see what you're doing <laughs> but uh again i <clears throat> i think next year will be the uh the real marker but i also think it has something to do with who he's going to bring in you know because that we that's kind of still up in the air that's probably what's also hurting us right now maybe at least slightly offensively maybe uh but you know there's some more names came out i uh, don't know how serious to take it but football scoop uh, i mean this is what they do they report on coaching news supposedly brian kelly's looking at uh cincinnati's offensive coordinator mike denbrock um, you know, it could be, that's why we haven't heard that name or heard the position names. Like if he's got his eye on this guy and he's playing for a playoff, mm-hmm. I imagine he wants to play for the playoff. He's never done that before. Uh, so if that's the case, you know, we might be hearing about Mike Denbrock, uh, and you think, all right, well, you know, Cincinnati, they're good offensively. Uh, I, I can see that. That makes sense. It, it goes deeper than that because he was actually with Kelly at Notre Dame but he was also with Kelly previously when he was in division two. Uh, if you want to call it a, you know, it's a power. It was grand Valley state. You know, he, he won a title there. So it, he, they go, they go way back. So I can see that as a, 
potentially a really good hire. Uh, on the defensive side, um, the name that came up was uh, Matt House, who is the Kansas City Chiefs linebacker coach. Um, I don't know. I don't know if I'm. I don't know if I would be would be as sold on that one. Uh, I mean, he coached at the collegiate level for like almost two decades, but I don't. I don't know that he was ever, you know, like a a coordinator before i don't know if he's called plays which is you know something we talked about this year it's like he we brought in two possibly you know really smart guys uh we kind of saw more maybe durante jones towards the end of the year because coach o kind of took the emergency break off but i i don't know if like for guys that haven't coordinated before i feel like that should be a prerequisite for this level at least you know lsu trying to compete for what they want to compete for but I don't know. Um, I had not heard of his name before. So I don't know. Do you guys have any uh, initial reactions to, to these names being the potential OC and DC? They were kind of out of the blue to me. I had not seen these names floated before. Obviously, okay. the one um, Mike Denbrock is the offense coordinator makes sense, given his history with Brian Kelly at Notre Dame. And he's kind of like, I mean, Notre Dame and Cincinnati, where he's at now, they're good, but not great offenses. I would say they both run pretty balanced attacks, um, which is kind of the difference between uh, like the run first, less miles or the air raid passing game, Joe Brady. So I think it's kind of a middle of the road approach. I think it's a, maybe a good culture fit. I'm not sure as far as uh, how dynamic the offense could be under him. I'd have to like dig into that a little bit more, but I think it's a pretty safe pick. I agree with what you're saying on Matt House as the defensive coordinator. He has been defensive coordinator at the college level, most recently at Kentucky uh, in 2018 under Mark Stoops before he went to the Chiefs as their linebacker coach. That one is a bit strange to me because like we just hired an NFL guy with Durante Jones, uh, D-line coach, and the defense, especially towards the end of the season, wasn't terrible. I get that, that he wants to bring in his own guy, but going back down that well and getting a, someone who's not maybe a huge name or uh, immediate impact player is a little bit weird to me also. Um, so both of them have plenty of credentials, 20 years of experience a piece plus, um, but it's kind of like we said with Brian Kelly to start with. It's not a name necessarily that like is hot on the, on the table, but maybe it'll get the job done in the end. Tommy, do you have any different thoughts on that? Um, I think that I, I like the Cincinnati, uh, the Cincinnati pick just because, I mean, watching them, I, I like what they've done with their offense. I like the, I do like the kind of balanced, more balanced attack. You know, of course, the big highlights that we remember from 2019 are the Burrow, all the Burrow passes, all the touchdowns, all the deep, deep throws to Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson. But we were a pretty balanced team. Clyde did a lot for us. I think that we were at our best when Clyde was able to run and we were able to go off of that play action and, and do RPOs and do all that kind of fun stuff. But a lot of the success was based on a, a solid run attack from Clyde and also Joe Burrow's, you know, legs as well. So I think um, in, in some ways, I almost think that we've gotten a little bit too excited about the pass. Um, and, and so I, I think going with a balanced attack, going with a guy with a lot of experience at, at Cincinnati is fine. Um, I kind of, I think I agree with everybody here. It's like the um, how pick for, for DC is kind of strange, but again, I'm not, um, I'm not totally familiar with the guy and, and, and I, I guess, you know, I would defer to Brian Kelly on this one. I think we have to, uh, we have to defer to him 
because you know what we kind of we kind of gave O some some uh, leeway with his hires, and we saw how that went out. I think that Brian Kelly is a more capable um, a capable coach and and uh, judge of talent as you've seen over his you know twelve years at Notre Dame. So let's let's let him at least have one year of, of his own guys. But um, I think that this. I think that there could be some truth to this, this uh, pick from, from uh, Kansas city because LSU just announced, I think yesterday that Blake Baker would no, no longer be uh, with the team and he's the linebacker coach. So if you're bringing in a guy whose specialties, you know, seems to be linebackers, he's been a linebacker coach at, uh, at the chiefs and he's going to come to your DC. You know, a lot of times these DCs want to also stay with, their position group and kind of, you know, have a, have a say over the position group. Durante Jones, you know, for one kind of had a say over the safeties and, and consolidated that safety room um, or that, that DB room and kind of was, I think in, in, and from what people said close to the program, you know, there were, there was a little bit of a, a, t- a tense situation between Corey Raymond and Durante Jones. Cause Durante Jones is like, I'm the d- defensive coordinator, but I also, I'm a, I'm a DB guy. So, um, I don't know if Brian Kelly's preemptively kind of clearing the way for this guy to come in and kind of and be the, the defensive coordinator who also really oversees linebackers or not, but, or if it's just a coincidence, but either way, you know, that, that spot's kind of open now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, uh, losing Blake who I, I hadn't, I mean, he'd been here what a year and then, but he was already starting to make some, some sort of a name for himself just with recruiting. You know, he was, he was actually well, that. And I mean, think about the, think about the development of Damone Clark. Yeah. It's, I don't know where else that could cut where, what else that could come from. <laughs> this guy's, this guy's totally turned it around 180 degrees. He's an all American. He should have been the Butkus award winner this year. Mm-hmm. Should have been, but he wasn't. Um, anyway. Uh, so I don't, yeah, I guess there's, there's more to see in, in those areas. Uh, I don't know. Do you guys have anything else? I, Cause I, I don't know. I, just on signing day in general, it's always crazy. But I think the biggest news was the fact that, and you mentioned it earlier, Florida State lost their, well, not only their number one recruit, but the number one recruit to Jackson State, which is where Dion is. And it was, you know, it was just kind of like a, it shot right to the top, of, you know, that the, the biggest headline of the day. And after a while, you know, it started coming out that, oh, supposedly, uh, you know, because Dion's got to deal with Barstool that this kid's getting like a million and a half. And that was what the, that was the reason why. Like, all right, well, I get that. Um, but I don't know, I saw something like a video that Dion made, or he was, he was interviewed actually from, from one of these shows. And he said, I don't know what that is. He basically saying, uh, yeah, supposedly, I, you know, I'm giving him a million and a half. How am I going to bring it? How am I going to give a million and a half? I don't even make that much. I mean, I, I, I wouldn't even give my own son that much if he came here. So I don't know, I guess in that case, I want to believe Dion, but uh, again, it's like, I think maybe Travis Hunter saw more than, you know, if, if he was offered an NIL deal worth a lot of money, maybe it was more than that. Maybe he just saw, wow, Dion just, you know, he was uh, his first time coach and he's just won the swack <laughs> and now he's playing in a bowl game. They didn't win, by the way, they got beaten pretty, pretty, they got beaten pretty bad. Yeah. By South Carolina state. But uh, it's like you, I don't know. Maybe there was some attraction to him playing in HBCU. Maybe there's something about Dion being coached by the greatest quarterback probably ever. Yeah. A hall of famer. So 
you know, there's there could be other things involved. If he did get a deal, great. I, I doubt it's a million and a half. That just seems ridiculous. Um, not that Barstool doesn't have it, probably, but I mean, I, I don't know. That's just bizarre. Uh, all these NIL deals, because um, they're you know, it's it's part of the thing now. I think though, my thing is. If you want to have the in deals, they should have closed the transfer portal when they introduced them because now it's like guys can move. It's like they're coming here and then, you know, we could get Will, Cam- Will Campbell and then I'm not saying this is going to happen, but the way Texas said, if you if you sign with them as an O-lineman, you're guaranteed 50 grand a year just because they have a separate fund mm-hmm. set up for that and you are basically paid. All and then it, and then it's something like also like for every pancake you get you get like so much money I think yeah well it's called the pancake club yeah or, or pancake whatever uh, but yeah so it's like how do you I, I don't know it's like if yeah you could be really good and sign with something I don't know for whatever reason but then it's like something happens with your family and it's like holy god I can go there for fifty thousand a year and my <laughs> family can be taken care of uh, I don't know. It's, yeah, it's that, not college football anymore. Decision. That's what yeah. it is. It's not, I mean, it, it's, and, and I, I mean, I think we were kind of, at least I know I was at the, at the beginning of this, I wasn't necessarily all for the NIL stuff. I think I, I, I remember you know, talk, thinking, talking to people and, talk, and talking to friends of mine and saying, I think this is going to open Pandora's box and it kind of just be kind of really in some ways ruin the sport. And I, I think you're seeing it happen right now. Now, not, not to say that this, that, that Travis Hunter signing with Jackson state is ruining the sport by any means. I think that's actually kind of cool yeah. that it, you know, it is, I think it's, I think it's good for smaller schools. And I think that smaller schools being good at being able to pull talent is good for the sport in general. But to your point about the, the, the transfer portal be basically becoming even more a free agency than we already said it was. I mean, it's undoubtedly that way with the mm-hmm. way that Eli Ricks was, was blatantly tampered with. And, and not to say that I think he should have stayed. I, I wrote data. We, we talked about this when he left, I wouldn't even be that upset if he'd gone to Ohio state I, because it's something where he had like Alabama had never been in the conversation for Eli. He was, he, I do not remember him ever had being heavily um, favored to go to Alabama. He never got a crystal ball in Alabama. It was always LSU to Ohio state. And so if, if this, if a week ago that the announcement comes out, he's going to Ohio state, I would say, you know what? It makes sense to me. Like he, he thought about going there in the first place. We're not any good. He wants to be at a winning program. This is someplace that he was excited about before more power to you. Good luck. But yeah, when when you put, put, sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Go ahead. Well, just, just when, when, when the story actually comes out and it's that literally he left because they basically offered him a ton of money. I mean, I, I get it. I, I, we all want to make money. But I think that the, the system is now it, it's just the NFL. Like that's that's how it is. Yeah, what I was gonna say is I think it just puts kind of the the behind the scenes nastiness of college football on display for everyone to see and kind of dig their teeth into. Because before, I mean, yeah, you had people getting money in the McDonald's bags in Tennessee or or who knows what booster is giving people a truck. No show jobs and all that. Right. But in, in, I think in the general consciousness, people could kind of put that out of their mind. Absolutely. To where you, but now this is like the front page news every day in the college football cycle is this guy's getting this much money. He's transferring to this school and he's going to be, Oh no, now he's going to this other place. Cause they got more cash. Uh, and then, so it just, it, it makes you almost not sick, but you're like, okay, I, I get the point. And it's like, I would rather focus on the sports, which you could, you, if you wanted to do that in the past, you could do that. But now it's so intertwined you can't separate the sport from the business itself. And I think that's what a lot of people are frustrated with in the current situation. 
And whether that's ultimately resolved, I don't know. But it's, I mean, we say it over and over, but it's just a new way that college football is going to exist. So uh, we have to move forward, whether we like it or not, unfortunately. Yeah, it's true. And uh, so does Dabo Swinney, because he definitely does not like it. He, you know, he's made a lot of comments about it before, but I mean, he was, I don't know, he, he looked like he almost was going to go on a tirade on, you know, right before signing day. Um, but I, I really don't, you know, have too much pity for him. But I don't know, I think, yeah, something like Travis Hunter going to Jackson State instead of Florida State, uh, yeah, that could kind of level the playing field a little bit if, if more guys did that, you know. But I, I don't know that that's, I don't know if that's going to be the trend. It, you know, it could just be a, a one off thing. We'll, we'll see. We'll keep an eye on it. But uh, I don't know. I, I think that was uh, quite a lot as far as football goes. I mean, there's some bowl games already, but nothing really too too exciting, right? No, I think, yeah, kind of later or early next week as we get into the last week of December up until New Year's is when the, the good games start. So now it's just all your uh, generic teams you can turn on on like a 5 p.m. on a Wednesday and see that. Not, not that that's bad. It's good for those schools, but yeah. um, ready for some- for me to watch. I've been enjoying it. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. There's been some pretty good games, actually. Well, there's one at two o'clock on Tuesday. Joe Burrow got his touchdown record broken. I saw yesterday. that. That was kind of sad by Bailey Zappi of Western Kentucky. Um, who also set the career or the single season passing yards record in one less game than Joe. So that's pretty impressive, but I guess they well, run like the complete air raid. It is. The, but these I mean, two are not the same. <laughs> no, no, not at all. Uh, yeah, not at all. Uh, but I mean, if that's all you guys had for, uh, for football, I mean, I did want to talk about this LSU basketball team that is still undefeated. Uh, I mean, they had a, a pretty easy game, Tuesday, uh, they, I mean, it, I, I think they were, well, I mean, they, they won by 40, but it was mostly like a 40 point lead for pretty much, uh, I don't know, I'd say the, you know, the entire second half, but, um, you know, they, they, they got the win. That was all that matters. Uh, took care of Northwestern state. I mean, it was maybe close right at the very, no, they went out to like a little lead but then it was kind of close but then they just started pulling away you know and you can tell once that happened that game was over um uh not much newsworthy other than uh uh xavier pinson actually got his thousandth point uh i was i think uh, it's not the first lsu transfer to do it either but um uh because we got him from missouri he got his thousandth point uh but then lsu uh took care of la tech on the road Thursday wasn't as easy. Uh, La Tech was La Tech was trying to put it to him. La Tech was trying to put in that work. Uh, LSU was down by thirteen, like early in the first half. But as they have done six other times this season, uh, they they came back and won. Uh, I would say, I think there was a stretch in the second half where LSU had a twelve to two run, and that's pretty much what got them back control of the game. I think out of that 12 to two run, Tari Eason had like 10 of those points. So this guy is, uh, he's starting to, he's starting to present like our best player, you know, like, cause we didn't really have like a one, like we didn't have like a LeBron surrounded by a bunch of good uh, role players. You know, we didn't have like great outside shooters, like the, the Warriors. I can kind of see what Will Way was talking about now. It's like, we just have a gritty team. Yeah. Like there's some talented guys. It's not like we're excelling too much in one area. Although I'd say Tari Eason is just like really 
really like taken taken some leadership of the, of the team just with his play right now. But it's like they're winning games, and it's like it, it's not going to look pretty. Maybe not at first, because you know you think La Tech. How are we struggling against La Tech? Uh, I mean, I don't think they were that bad. They're eight and three. Uh, but, uh, you know, LSU turned it around and they kept them under 60 points. Like they held them, they had, uh, what, 57 for like the last three, four minutes or something like that. So this is going to be a defensive team. You know, it's not going to be, they'll be flashy at times because they're going to go on a long run because their defense is good and we'll, we'll have those moments. But other than that, you know, it's going to be a a, a gritty team and we'll see more so once they get into SEC play, because I think they have one more game this week against Lipscomb state or something. But uh, after that, then we get the SEC play and we can really start to gauge it. But for now, I don't know. Just, I don't think anyone would have expected them because some of these games, even in like Will Wade's early years, like we've seen them lose these games easily before they never came back. Now they are. So I feel like we have something here. Yeah. They're, they're 11 and 0, which is really what matters. The tech game was, very stressful. Like you said, we were losing by 13 and then we were down by eight to 10 for like about two thirds of the game until it tightened up in the second half. And then we, we pulled ahead of the very end. Um, but tech was the, the commentator said it like this was their super bowl in terms of basketball. And they, they played like it, like they were ready for LSU every, every step yeah. of the way, especially at the beginning. Um, and then if we, we play like that coming out cold against Auburn, who's our first sec opponent uh, next week, then things could be could go badly. Um, but if we show the same tenacity on defense, especially in the second half, then we can play with anybody. I think Ken Palm has us ranked as the number one defense in the country, and so they're very efficient at that. And there's only six undefeated teams left, including us, so uh, we're doing what we need to do. Like you mentioned, Tari Eason, he's our best player, and it's weird because he's our best player, but he doesn't even start. Will Wade brings him off the bench on the first rotation, and I think it's actually a decent strategy because like, by that point, like you kind of bring in your rotations and he's just too much for other teams, like kind of second string when he comes in, cause he should like be starting, but Will Wade kind of uses him like as a secret weapon in the back. So it's kind of like James Harden when they, when he, when he was the sixth man for the, uh, for the, uh, Rockets? Thunder. Oh, Thunder. Uh, yeah, you're right. Tommy. So like he's, he's too much for their backups to handle. And then he has such a good motor, like, especially in the second half, he just keeps going and going, pulling down boards, bodying them up in the paint. You see, you'll see it every game in the second half when he starts throwing down dunks and they just can't contest. Um, and then, so as long as we kind of build around him, uh, especially at the guard position uh, with Gaines and Pinson kind of sharing it at the point and not committing too many turnovers, then the team can be uh, very efficient and compete with anybody. So it's exciting to watch. And like you said, we should take care of Lipscomb pretty easily, be 12 and 0 rolling into sec play uh, and want to be uh, happy about in the, the tiger hoops land. Yeah, no, I, I, I I totally agree. I think that this is going to be a fun team to watch. I'm already excited about going into SEC play. And I, I really just am excited about the, the, like you said, Scott, this, the gritty wins and like the, um, I feel like we've seen so many LSU teams where if they get, if they're play down to a, to a competition, get down to tech, they just kind of be like, well, whatever, we'll, we'll, we'll move on to the next one. But this team is really able to, uh, to, kind of pick themselves up and and play out of adversity. And I, I like to see that because that's what you're going to need. You know, I, 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 have, I think that if you have a defense and if you're gritty enough to be able to play out of uh, big deficits against any kind of 
you know, college, college basketball competition, I think you'll be able to do this, do at least compete or do the same thing against some of the top teams. Um, so I think that, that I'm excited. I think that we're going to be, uh, you know, let, let's, let's get ready for March. Cause I think it'd be pretty fun for us. Amen. And uh, LSU's done uh, really well on the road too. You know, like, well, obviously cause they're undefeated, but uh, like, I think some of these other teams get tripped up on the road, but that's, that's where they've done just as well. You know, um, um, I guess most freshly in my mind was, was Georgia tech, but I, I don't, I was, I was able to watch this game. Thank you. You know, shout out to uh, the CBS sports network, the channel, cause they, they actually aired it. So I, I was able to watch it, which was great. Uh, but man, there's some LSU fans in that crowd. You could hear them, you could see them. And uh, you know, towards the end of the game, once you could kind of see the tigers, yeah, it was what they, I think they had like a six point lead with like just over a minute left or something. Uh, that's when you could see Will Wade starting to like feel it and getting like raising his hands, trying to fire up the crowd. Like, yeah, I got it. We did it. So Will Wade, I don't know. I feel like there's more to see from him. He seems, seems like a reserve guy. Unless he's, you know, coaching in the process of coaching. Cause he's pretty heated. <laughs> he didn't yell at him at a timeout, but man, he was yelling on the sidelines. I saw that. Uh, but then you see him in the locker room and he's, Man, they're having a grand old time. So I, I'm looking also, forward to that. Side note, very weird looking court with like the red, white, and blue inside the three-point lines, like the painted on bombers. I get that because they're yeah. playing in Bossier City and they have the Air Force base there. But yeah. Like it was like very distracting to watch. I don't know. <laughs> I agree. I was going to mention that because like I, I could think probably that's probably what tripped LSU up at first was having to make shots on top of a like a B4 bomber. Like just <laughs> and it was just if you looked at it. I, you know, I, I get it. I, I'm not going to trash the, uh, the symbology of it. Cause I think that's great, but just looking at the court, I don't know. It was just hard to look at. I can't imagine playing on that and just trying to figure out where you are and just, yeah, it was just, it was, it was, uh, I don't want to say it was an eyesore, but it was, it was a very busy pattern. Right. Uh, I don't know. Do you guys have anything else on basketball? I mean, women's basketball is nine and one too. I don't think that's happened for a long time where both teams were like combined, uh, 20 and one, uh, it's, I don't know. It's crazy. I think, uh, I don't know. I think it's, I think it's about it. And the rankings should come out tomorrow, Monday, which may have already happened when this pod releases, but LSU may move up one or two spots. I think somebody else lost. So we'll probably be around 18 or 17, but I uh, can't complain with that now. So, uh, another week, let's move forward. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Um, uh, well, aside from that, I don't know. Uh, I mean, there was other, you know, news out there. Uh, Urban Meyer got canned, didn't even get to finish his first season. Um, can't say I'm really beat up about that. Uh, yeah, it was just like all this stuff was going to start coming out. Some other stuff came out, but I think it was something about the, like he was, a kicker was warming up and he went up and kicked him during practice. And it's somehow like a day or two after that, that's when the owners were like, all right, that's it. Uh, let's just, just get this guy out of here. Because apparently it was pretty well known within their program that this was not working out, but uh, I don't know. It just it just seems like a crash and burn, doesn't it? Like you've seen coaches go to the NFL and not do well, but like one season you didn't even get to finish the season. Like last time that happened, I think was Bobby Petrino, but you know he he definitely has some character issues. Uh, but it, I guess I didn't really expect a crash and burn like this from a three-time collegiate national championship coach. So I don't know. Do you guys trying to see it coming or do you, are you with me? Like, uh, I can't believe it happened this fast. 
it was a uh, it was a sight to behold. It was short, fast, and furious <laughs> uh, with Urban Meyer. Um, and then I don't think this is what anyone expected, but kind of like when you see the cards that were dealt, it, it makes a little bit of sense. Um, his general approach to the situation and the clear lack of buy-in by basically anyone else in the organization besides the owner who hired him. Uh, so he'll go back to his kind of cushy broadcasting job, most likely make his money. And then I hope the Jaguars get a little bit better. Trevor Lawrence can actually succeed potentially. I saw they lost to the Texans today who are also terrible. So it doesn't get any better there. Um, but that's just a weird situation. I doubt Urban Meyer looks to coach anymore at the risk of damaging his reputation even further. Right. I don't know. I feel like he might, I feel like we might see him in college again, but um, I think he's absolutely done with the NFL and, and, you know, you know that like that Urban's Urban's time at, at Jacksonville was almost dead in the water when when that video came out and like what was that like a September? You know, like it was. I don't know. It's just not not good for him. Um, can't say I hate to see it because from everything I've heard, Urban's not a great guy. <laughs> He's not a great guy to play for. He's not a great guy in general. But um, you know, it's re- it, like Daniel, like you said, it was really wild to watch and uh, an absolute, uh, just a, a comedy of errors for Mr. Mr. Meyer. Yeah. Uh, well, as they say, you know, uh, people can forgive a lot if you're winning, but he, he was not, <laughs> he was not winning. Uh, so that's that. I don't know if you guys had anything else. That's pretty much all I had. Uh, unless you guys had something else that you wanted to toss out there. I want to wish all the all the listeners a Merry Christmas. Yeah. Yeah. Daniel, were you saying? No, yeah. Merry Christmas to Tiger Nation. Uh, we'll be ringing in the new year. We'll probably have another pod before then. Uh, but until then, uh, open the presents and hopefully we'll have a, another joyous year next year. Or a more Amen. joyous Maybe more joyous. Year. Yeah, there, there's a lot of room for improvement. <laughs> Definitely, definitely. Uh, I don't know. I think I'll, we'll have an interesting, an interesting bowl game too. Uh, I, I wish everyone a Merry Christmas. Also, Happy New Year. Uh, I wish the Tigers would play then so we could get it over with. But uh, we have to play on the fourth. But I don't know. It'll be different. We'll have our own standalone primetime game. But yeah, we'll, we'll see what the new year brings. Hopefully, good tidings and joy. Uh, but as these guys said, that'll do it for us here on Talking Tigs. Uh, we will have another one for you before the end of the year, so tune in. We'll have a nice 2021 wrap-up, put it behind us, and see what 22 brings, uh, and hopefully some more uh, some more presents under the tree before Christmas as far as the LSU football program goes, courtesy of Brian Kelly or, or somebody else. We'll see. Uh, either way, we'll have it for you. So until then, Merry Christmas. Stay safe, stay tuned, and we'll talk to you next time on Talking Tigs. Thank you.